Now, welcome back to the Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Niven, and as usual, it's a, a great pleasure to have your company. Now, today, I'm going, going to do another podcast, uh, another of the Voices from Ukraine series. And I'm talking today to Raisa Kravchenko, who is the board chair at the moment of uh, Jirella Association, which is, uh, was for, founded in 1994 as a, as a local association to do with working with people with um, in, a intellectual disability, as it's called in Ukraine, learning difficulties probably is the nearest to it in the UK and other places. But also, Raisa was the founder of the National Coalition and was executive director of that until very recently, which has something like 118 Ukrainian local non-governmental organizations and agencies representing people with intellectual disabilities and about 14,000 families. So her experience is extensive and her understanding of the situation is comprehensive. And uh, Raisa, I'm very, very pleased to have you as a guest. Welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you for inviting and thank you for the opportunity to speak uh, about our problems. Well, now, I think we also ought to say, just in case people got a little worried or concerned, that any banging that they hear in the background is you are having building work done at the moment. Is that right? So um, there yeah, might be some hammering or something like that, which we might oh, not... Sorry, sorry for that. No, no, no. I just want people to understand what it is, and it's nothing to worry about. Um, okay, so... Can you give us a little bit of a history here about um, how people with intellectual disability, learning disabilities are um, dealt with by um, society in Ukraine, how, how they are either treated or how they are cared for, how they are provided for, and perhaps with, well, we'll come to other things in a minute, but you know, what are the gaps, what's needed? Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for this question, mm. because until recently, um, families uh, who have a child with uh, intellectual disability had just dilemma, two uh, ways, either to put uh, the child and then the adult, uh, whenever it happens, uh, into the big institution or take uh, the majority of the burden on themselves with a, a small disability fee, which is not enough to survive, uh, and uh, with a small fee to, uh, for the care of this person, hmm. uh, with no uh, day services, with no supportive services in the community, even in spite of the fact that in the year 2010, uh, Ukraine ratified the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disability, in which it is told that people uh, with disabilities have got the right to be in the community and be included in the community and enjoy supported living. Nothing of the kind happened uh, in Ukraine. Mm. And um, for many years, <clears throat> it was uh, the matter of parents to establish day services, to establish the first in Ukraine group homes, and it was a big luck if, if you manage, if uh, uh, yeah. your local authorities support you. I was lucky enough, my son, until the war was uh, 
in a small group home okay. because I have disability myself and I can't uh, provide care. It must have been incredibly difficult for you. Yeah, it was because I have disability and some days when I, <laughs> when I, uh, I need help myself. So uh, I was so grateful to the local authorities but, uh, which supported our group home. Mm. And there are very, very few group homes in Ukraine. Very few. You, you, you have uh, a very difficult choice. Either you put your adult child into the institution or just, mm. just survive as, as you like. You mentioned that the... Um there was an allowance given, but it was very, very small and not enough. Would that have come from the local authority? No, it was national guarantee. Oh, well, uh, services, um, and uh, I told that uh, we, the parental organization, we established um, day services. And then these day services grew in some localities into uh, the services which existed on public money, on the money of local authorities. Um, but uh, very few examples of the kind. In the majority of cases, uh, NGOs of parents um, raised funds to keep up services. Yeah. And uh, the major side effect of the war uh, is the full closure of these services. The day services are totally closed in, in, in the majority of uh, yeah, Ukrainian yeah, yeah. localities. Only probably in some, in the western part of Ukraine, there are some uh, which are still functioning, but in, in the majority of cases, nothing of the kind. And okay. um, when our adult children appeared with no support, with no um, nowhere to go out from home. Then uh, we see the need of uh, personal assistance. So um, we are grateful to Inclusion Europe, the uh, network of European network of organizations for people with intellectual disability who raised funds, and we know that peer families. Uh, families from all over Europe and uh, mm -hmm. UK among them. And we are so grateful because um, this support is very important for us. It was supported to, uh, it was uh, individual support to more than 1,000 families. And um, it was also employment of personal assistance to those uh, people uh, who are particularly uh, challenging yeah. or in the case when, uh, for example, now we have some mothers who are, who can't move around their flat, not, not only uh, go out, but it's difficult for them to move in their flats and with this uh, son or daughter. I wanted to ask you a bit more about that because, I mean, and on the money side of it, don't worry. I mean, I think I'm going to put details in the front of this podcast about how the people can can contribute because I know that as well as there's been substantial support, but you need far more for the things you've just said. So now and at the end of the podcast, we'll, we'll remind people about how they can financially give help. Um, but a question came to me because, as you know, I, I had some work. I worked with um, uh, people with disabilities before, and one of the issues always was to, to actually get helpers. Now, 
you say people need personal assistance. Um, uh, lots of them do. That's great. But do you think there's enough in the workforce to be able to provide that? Um, personal assistance is very important because uh, the personal assistant now is needed at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly in the cases when both are disabled, uh, the person yeah. with intellectual disability and the mother, uh, but also professional advice uh, uh, on the part of social worker is needed on how to access humanitarian aid, yeah. different humanitarian aid. Yeah. As we discussed before, access to medication, uh, psychiatry medication. Could you say uh, a bit more about that so that we've actually got an opportunity for our listeners to hear your views on that as well? Because, um, I mean, everybody knows that, I mean, in Ukraine, it was a very medical model until recently when it's it's psychiatrists that actually determine things and they are the ones that prescribe the medication as well. But you, you, you said to me that the numbers of psychiatrists has, has dwindled, has got much smaller, and therefore the chances for people, especially poor people, to access the medication is now much more difficult. Is that fair? Uh, that's the case. Um, and uh, uh, <laughs> two years ago, we had um, psychiatric reform, uh, which meant a significant cut of psychiatric services both in-services and uh, outpatient services, and uh, it's uh, a separate story because uh, before this, um, um, before uh, this reform, um, we had 30,000 people living in the mental hospital, 30,000 people, and the same number, 30,000 people in big institutions. So about uh, uh, 60,000 people are constantly living in the institutional environment. It is the assessment of the Federation Global Initiative on Psychiatry. Um, in 2018, they made this uh, uh, assessment. And there's 30,000 people living in the psychiatric, uh, in the mental hospital, had nowhere to go. They right. lost their families. And um, we, we still have no answer. We made many applications to the Ministry of Health of Ukraine. What happened to, to this patient, to so-called chronically ill? And yes, you're right. We are medically biased. We are medically oriented because medical diagnosis uh, determines practically all uh, the support you get, mm-hmm. statutory support you get from the state. Is that beginning to change a little? Because I believe that social workers are now, in the last couple of years, part of the teams, for example. Is that fair? Um you know, uh, theoretically, yes. Ah, theoretically, right. okay, okay. But in practice, it's you know, theoretically, yes. There are state standards of social services, uh, including uh, social rehabilitation of people with uh, mental health problems, mm-hmm. even not disability, even those who have no disability uh, stat- status. <clears throat> but in practice. Uh, uh, services, uh, com- community-based services are provided by local authorities on the money of local uh, Which is limited, isn't it? Which, uh, which is absolutely limited. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, social services are so 
mm, little and uh, so mm. so limited that uh, difficult to compare to to your country. It's, no, no, I understand, and um, I also remember you telling me about the fact that wages are also very low in that sector. Absolutely, this is one of the lowest. Uh, uh, wages but also lowest uh, kind of um, reputation of the profession is uh, very low mm. well i can identify with that because i mean social work in the uk has taken a long time to gain um trust in the community and and still possibly doesn't have it completely um, well, look, there was something else you said to me that I found very interesting, and I think I'd like you to say more if you would, and that was about other people with impairments, such as hearing impairments, visual impairments, or physical disabilities sometimes, you felt were, although not hugely well supported, but were a bit better supported than people with an intellectual disability. Is that is that true? That's true in one aspect, not in the area of services. Um, they have also shortage of services because services is um, the least developed area. Our social workers are mainly writing <laughs> reports and doing investigation, doing assessments. And mm. my view is that values of social work should not allow this situation when uh, the person has made assessment with no results, with no uh, in intervention. It's mm -hmm. uh, to my mind, it is not moral. It is uh, abuse of uh, the patient when uh, of the client. I remember myself when I'm asked for two hours about all aspects. Moreover, I was the expert, and I was asking, and I was doing assessment, and then the project stopped. Mm. And no intervention. <clears throat> so in, in many cases, it happens like that. And uh, so people with uh, visual hearing and uh, impairments and physical disability, they don't have services. Uh, they instead, they're better provided with uh, the means of rehabilitation, like um, uh, different devices and... Yeah. Different medical um, equipment, uh, to, to allow equipment. Yeah. Yes, they are not fully provided, but uh, no. No. Uh, there are positive changes. While uh, there are in, uh, negative changes in uh, uh, about people with intellectual and psychosocial disabilities, uh, including cut of services based on the uh, non-governmental organizations because of the shortage of. Uh, uh, financial support of mm. uh, then um, poor provision of premises. It's it's it, dead when. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just going to ask that. I mean, um, in this country, and this is I'm speaking from the UK. Um, there, there sometimes can be argued that the local authority provision. It's a bit of what they call a postcode lottery. You know, it's something. It depends where you live. You know, you can get good or you could get bad service, you know, depending where you live. Is that the yes. same in Ukraine? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, the lottery, maybe the percent of winners in our lottery <laughs> <laughs> is far lower than yours. 
<laughs> okay. Um, what about um, issues to do with, as you said, I mean, I imagine, with, like, look, you've had a pan- the pandemic, and now you've got the war. Um, I mean, the sense of dislocation must be incredible, especially, uh, well, not especially, but as well as others, but people on the autistic spectrum, it must be incredibly frightening. Yeah, they are. They are disoriented. They don't know what what's going to happen and when. And, you know, for people with autistic spectrum, but also with behavior, challenging behavior, uh, together with intellectual disability, it is very important to know whom uh, who are uh, around them and what environment uh, environment are they in and what are they doing uh, being oriented what's going to happen so they're totally disoriented all the factors that influence their self their feelings their mm. uh, the way they feel themselves and also their behavior uh, all is in, improper for them uh, they uh, they have different people they have abruptly different uh, everyday routines. They have uh, uh, different locations and it's total stress, absolute stress. I can believe it. And also you told me uh, an incredible statistic that um, of uh, people who have had a diagnosis, you know, to do with um, a learning disability and intellectual disability, but 45% of that, of them have a dual diagnosis uh, uh, in terms of behavioral problems as well. Is that, is that correct? I don't know. I met this figure uh, in the WHO documents, but I must say that well, uh, there are well, two uh, probably factors correct. Probably, uh, that uh, influence in Ukraine. First of all, they're not occupied uh, because our network, uh, 14,000, is not enough. And the Ministry of Social Policy uh, reported about 2,000 people out of 200 people, 200,000 people. Uh, So 2,000 people got uh, rehabilitation services. In fact, day centers where they were occupied uh, they're placed in shelter employment. Was that just because they and were trying to save money or was there any other reasons? Uh, because of the uh, medical bias and because of the institutional um, character of the care. Imagine a big institution for 3,000 people with only two positions of, uh, they're called rehabilitologists in your country that would be occupational therapists. Yeah. Two occupational therapists per three thousand uh, per three hundred uh, clients. And you told me about um, your own um, home district uh, that had um, a population of two hundred thousand that used to have twelve psychiatrists covering it. And now has two. Is that correct? It was not now, it was uh, before the war. Oh, before the it war, was, okay. okay. Yeah, it yeah. was the result of uh, psychiatric uh, reform uh, when the director of that outpatient department serving our district, it is Obolon. You, may, you might uh, remember Bia Obolon. 
Oh, yeah. So it's from my place in Kiev, and um, uh, we had outpatient uh, psychiatric uh, department, and uh, before the uh, reform, uh, twelve positions of psychiatric doctors, but uh, after the reform, there were two only. So it took you long, long uh, waiting uh, list, so hours or you, you, you it, I, I told you that I just paid for the consultation and I got uh, the recipe, the prescription of my son's um, medication and that was the case. But, but many people uh, who, who weren't perhaps lucky like yourself to have a little money uh, yeah, would the, have the to go without. Uh, I, it's difficult to survive, and that is why we uh, we do appreciate uh, um, numerous types of help from Inclusion Europe, uh, who also, in addition to just donations, uh, they also helped with access to medication. Well, I put Inclusion. I will put Inclusion Europe's link in if I can. Um, you know, when we put the text of the uh, podcast up on the front page. Tell me, can I just ask a couple more questions? Because we've got about another, oh, I don't know, another five or ten minutes. Um, what sort of situation would you expect to get help with? I mean, in, in, in the sense of you talk about the, how much it would cost or donation would pay for this or a donation would pay, pay for that. Um, but to me, from what the figures you've given me, you see, you sound like you need an enormous amount of, of funding just to even maintain a, a, the quality of life for people who are very vulnerable. Uh, yeah, we do need your help, uh, particularly because Ukraine became even uh, more poor. Uh, Ukraine was the poorest uh, European country before the war. It's official statistics. And now the, the economy is ruined. And the currency, and, uh, yeah, the currency of Ukraine, because you, you've put here that the tax code in Ukraine permits people to provide without tax a donation yeah. of 3,470. I don't know, what is the actual currency called? Sorry. Uh, uh, currency is called hryvna, hryvna and okay. uh, this is the donation uh, which is tax exempt per uh, physical person. Right, that's 350 pounds UK. Uh, just to let people know. Uh-huh. And it is uh, for one person per year. Uh, it is not uh, taxed, but also of uh, great help would be a payment to personal assistance and uh, also those who provide uh, respite care because um, the parents or other caregivers, mothers mainly, uh, they are so um, tired of, of care with no supportive yeah. service. But they're exhausted. They're very exhausted. And uh, respite care is needed. But also professional mm. social work uh, services are needed to get access to um, different humanitarian yeah. uh, aids and programs. Yeah. yeah. Listen, uh, um, I've also got here an expected cost that would to cover 20 to 30 families would be about 900 euros a month for professional services of the social workers. But also, but yeah. the to get the the personal assistant 
you know, um, it's much less, less than that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, uh, that is necessary uh, and uh, it is a matter of paramount importance. And in the uh, places, in the NGOs, when we manage to employ these social workers, it is much easier for them to survive uh, because these social workers um, get the families in touch with the authorities. Okay. Uh, they uh, help them to lobby their own interests, the family interest. Well, let me ask you a straight. Let me ask you a straightforward question here, Raisa, because I mean, obviously, people will ask. Um, it was it's, it's suggested, maybe you know, that that some people in positions of authority um, don't always give all the money that they collect back to where it should go. Um, uh, uh, the um, people that people would be giving money to for the programs that you're discussing, can, they can be guaranteed that that money will all go to what's being asked for. Is that, is that right? Well, um, we receive money uh, in our NGOs, not the authorities. No, that's, and, I need, you need to explain that. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah, and, uh, well, <laughs> we do not abuse it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because we are um, in our coalition, the director, the current director of our coalition, she is the mother of a 25-year daughter. And um, now she can't flee. Uh, I, I, I am, I escaped from cave. Uh, no. I am 100 kilometers to the south, not to the no. north, okay. where there were attacks, but I am to the south. She, she can't because of her daughter, but also she has an immobile mother. Right. Hardly exactly. <laughs> these are, these are the people that, that suffer most, the ones that have that no, no real mobility or no real ability to, to move around easily. Yeah, she's, uh, the mother is 82 years old mm. and the daughter is 25 years old. And uh, with the uh, support of Inclusion Europe, we employed uh, the personal assistant to her because she has got two people. So who would pay? Who would pay for this? Would, the, would, would this coalition be the one that pays? Coalition will pay for this uh, mm. uh, personal assistant with the help of Inclusion Europe, with the help of right. your kind donations. That's fine. That's what I wanted you to say, because I, I think that's what people need to know where the money is going and not just what it's for, you know, but what route it takes, which is good. Thank you. Can I ask you a question here? Because I've been lobbying our government here and I've put together quite a few people who agree with this idea in principle that for Ukrainians who have come as refugees because of the war, mm -hmm. um, those unaccompanied um, children or vulnerable adults, um, I'm suggesting that Ukrainians who are here, who were in the care system or not, or, or who were in the caring professions themselves, might well be uh, employed to work alongside as advisors, UK social workers, to help um, settle those um, unaccompanied refugee children and vulnerable adults who've had to come here and um, a taste of home and people where there will be no problem with communication. 
I just think it would be a good idea. And so we're, we're just putting that idea forward. Would you support something like that? Yeah, it's a brilliant idea because uh, you eliminate the language barrier and um, you find out uh, the supporter who's, uh, who follow similar kind of uh, attitudes and values and uh, of course uh, that might be effective particularly if uh, the person employed is uh, has got a social work background that would be yeah we have to employ them as as as, adv- I mean, as advisors because the the social work qualifications are not the same not compatible totally so we can just flip them in as social workers but i'm thinking of others care care workers or teachers or you know anybody because it would be the uk social worker that would be the i don't know what you'd call it the case yeah. holder but but an advisor from you know from a ukrainian advisor you you know allow me to uh, to dispute with you because the uh, majority of schools of social work uh, the one um I am in contact with, in partnership with oh, oh. Oksana Boyko. Uh, this school was established by British, uh, the British, well-known British professor Shulamit Ramon, and mm. uh, the major courses are compatible. And uh, in addition, Ukraine uh, now belongs to Bologna system, and we follow all the programs and the programs of right so I, i've got no problem i've got no problem with that and i actually thought that myself however it was only that when i asked the british association of social workers that they came back saying uh it couldn't be very straightforward and i thought well all right anyway look the, the that's not the point that to be not necessarily to be a qualified social worker it's to be uh, a, a a capable professional advisor uh-huh. you know uh-huh. I, i think that's the job that's needed so i i i wouldn't You know, I don't know. I just go along with the British Association of Social Workers. Is that what they say? But I'll go back to them and remind them of what you've said. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, no, I see. I but see. this is this is you about Ukraine today. We've got a few more minutes left. Just would you like to just say anything to the world community apart from obviously, please help out financially if you can, and the details will be on the front of the podcast. But anything else in terms of. Um, How you see the situation unfolding now? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I really we need help, and I would uh, be. I, I think that um, this is the viewpoint of all Ukrainian people with disabilities that we do need your help, and we appreciate uh, highly your donations and your financial help and your uh, material aid and your support. And we do need that. And if to speak to professional community, we do need a strong uh, advocacy campaign uh, against institutionalization because this war will bring uh, um, a great gr- group cohort of people with intellectual disabilities who uh, will remain without care because mothers will will be perished and will burnt out on many homes are ruined and so there's so many candidates to institutions and so uh, wherever possible the government the european union donors will be uh, looking for resources for the new um, places where to take care of people 
who cannot cope themselves. Okay. Well, uh, and we do not need professional advocacy uh, that this, these places are not institutions. These places should be either supported living or group homes or uh, in any case, uh, something in the community. Yeah. And we do need this uh, wide understanding that new no, Ukraine... No, right, right. Be- I, I, I get it. I think that's excellent and we're very well put. Um, and I know that perhaps your central government um, departments aren't as perhaps um, focused on this as they could be. Uh, However, I wish you very well and hope that um, we do what we can for you. Like I said, I can't guarantee that people will send money, but I really hope they do. And uh, we'll promote this podcast as far and wide as we can. And I really appreciate you being on the program. So. Sorry? Sorry. Do you oh, hear? Yes. Alarm. Yes. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. You better get off. All right. Thank you very much and keep safe. Thank you. Thank you for the interest to uh, our situation, particularly to oh. disability issues. While okay. I will, I'll, I'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.